Genesis chapter 3, the fall. Two such short words for such a devastating event that still has an impact on all of us in all of the world today. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. 
he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if you do have your Bible there, then please do turn back to Genesis 3 as we look at this passage this morning. And as we do so, just a heartfelt thanks. Um, you remember that David stood up last week and asked for prayer for the uh, meeting that was happening just last Tuesday uh, about the Presbytery Mission Plan. I was leading that meeting, um, and I very much felt upheld by your prayers. Thank you for those who came to the church Uh, Those who sent me messages who were praying uh, at home, it was very much um, appreciated. It was a long meeting, a difficult meeting. Um, We finished the meeting just about 11 o'clock, which shows you uh, what it was like. But the Presbytery Mission Plan has been approved um, and has gone to 121. And I had a phone call uh, just on Friday uh, that would suggest that um, 121 are going to concur with our plan as well. So things are uh, beginning to, to move on. So... Uh, Thank you so much for um, all your your prayer support for that. Now, this morning we find ourselves um, back in our series in the book of Genesis. And we come to this key passage, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Now, as I said a couple of weeks ago, what's key for us to remember here is that Genesis chapters 1 to 11 is effectively context before we move on to Genesis chapter 12. And Genesis chapter 12 is so key because it begins the story of Abraham. Abraham who is just so key in the history eh, of Israel. And so Genesis 1 to 11 acts a bit like a, a prequel. It's giving you the, the back story. And it's telling us who this God is who speaks to Abraham and who calls Abraham, and who promises Abraham descendants and a land. And so what we have in Genesis 1 to 11 is, yes, the story of, you know, how things begin, but it's also the backstory to tell us when we get to Genesis 12, this is the God that we're thinking about and dealing with. It's a bit like you'll have seen possibly the the film Lightyear, Um, being uh, advertised on your televisions. And if you know uh, the Toy Story animation films, uh, I think there's four of them, our boys quite like them, although they're getting a bit old for it now, but I love them. And uh, in those films, you have the character of Buzz Lightyear. And they've brought out this film Lightyear to say, well, this is the the backstory uh, about um, Buzz Lightyear. And what we have here is a bit like the backstory to give us some context before we move forward from Genesis 12 and indeed uh, for the rest of the Bible. Now, as well as this being the backstory to Genesis, the book of Genesis, and an introduction to the Bible, it's an introduction in that way because it's an introduction to who God is and what He requires of us as humanity. 
And we saw in the last uh, couple of weeks in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, we see God as our creator, don't we? That's the big thing that we take out of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. This started with God. And we saw how God created everything in six days or, or time periods, if we want to put things in those terms. And we saw, as, as Duncan led us through last week, the, the Sabbath rest of God on the seventh day, which sets a pattern for us as humanity. And throughout those first two chapters, we see how God declares everything as good. So the first day happens, everything is good. The second day, third day, fourth day, everything is good. When he finishes in the sixth day, it's declared as very good. Everything is good. But as we sit here in West Kilbride in 2022, we know that things are very different from that idyllic beginning. We know that things are imperfect. We know that there is pain. We know that there is suffering. We know there is famine. We know there is war in Ukraine and problems in Afghanistan and churches being burned in Nigeria. We know there is marriage breakup, that there is pain, there is illness, there are people in hospital. And we might ask the question, how can it be that we've moved from Genesis 1 and 2 to where we are now in 2022? Well, the answer to that question is Genesis chapter 3. And what I would say to you very gently this morning so if we don't have some kind of grasp on Genesis chapter 3, then we won't truly understand why Jesus came into the world. If we don't grasp Genesis chapter 3, we won't understand why Jesus came. You see, as we will see, Genesis chapter 3 is a sobering chapter. It's a chapter where things go wrong. But I also want you to see that in this chapter, even though it's a sobering chapter, there are hints of hope as well. And of course, the rest of the Bible is concerned with how that hope comes to its climax and fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, with that introduction this morning, let's have a look at Genesis chapter 3. Now, as we come to this passage this morning, we have to admit that there is a lot in this passage that we don't understand. And if you understand it this morning, please come and tell me at the end, because I don't quite understand all that's happening in this passage. We saw in Genesis chapter 2 that God forbade Adam to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that doing so would lead to death. And when we reach Genesis chapter 3, we see that the snake is more crafty than the other animals God has made. Now, we don't know why this is the case. We commonly think of the, the snake or, or the serpent as being the embodiment of the, of the devil, of Satan. But we don't know why this is the case. We don't know why he's more crafty. But whichever way it is, the serpent, the snake, tempts evil. Tempts Eve by questioning God. Because he says to Eve, Did God really say? Did God really say about that tree in the middle of the garden? Did he really say that? He puts doubt 
in our mind. And in our own lives, in our own hearts, we, we know that's often how temptation takes place, isn't it? We, we question whether God really said something. And we try to find loopholes out of it, don't we? Sometimes in our lives, you know, oh, you know, I can justify, you know, why I said, it was only a white lie I said. You know, I meant it for good, really. That's often how temptation takes place, isn't it? Did God really say, oh, well, we can just lay that aside for the moment, can't we? Now, Eve answers the snake that they must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden or even touch it. Now, at this point, we might wonder, and here's another thing that we might not quite understand. I'm not sure if I fully grasp it. We might wonder why God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden in the first place. Especially if it was just going to be such a temptation to Adam and Eve. Why, why is the tree there? But the fact is, and hopefully we've seen this in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, humans are created differently to other animals. Why are they different? Well, they're different in a myriad of different ways. But one of the ways that we are different is because we have choice. We have choice. If there were no tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, there would be no choice. And we would just be robots as humanity, wouldn't we? But because that tree is there, there is a real choice. And that's what's expressed here. Adam and Eve have a real choice. The choice is to to obey God or not to obey God. That's the choice. Now, we don't know how long it took from, from creation, from Adam and Eve being created, to Adam and Eve falling into temptation and the fall taking place. Maybe it was quick. We've no idea. It could have been a couple of days later. We, we've no idea. Maybe it was many years. But they fall into it. The serpent tempts Eve by questioning God. Did God really say? And when Eve sees the fruit of the tree as good, commonly it's pictured as an apple, isn't it? I don't know what kind of fruit it was. But it's good. looks great. She sees it's good, sees it's desirable for gaining wisdom, and she takes and eats it. And she gives some to Adam too. Now, Adam's been there the whole time. This is a really interesting thing. Eve's having this conversation with the serpent. Adam's there. He's just not saying anything. He must be the quiet, silent type is all you can say. And he also takes the fruit and eats it. They both eat. And then the eyes of them both are, are opened. They, they lose their innocence. They realize they're naked. They try desperately to clothe themselves. And then when the Lord God walks in the garden, they hide. Now, there are three things that I just want to stop and, and pause at at this point. The first thing is this. Sometimes people will look at this account in Genesis chapter 3. And they'll say, look, oh, it's just a story. It can't possibly be real. But what this account is showing here, that we all know is true by experience, is that humans are different from the other animals that God created. And we are different because we are made in God's image. 
If you think about it, an animal doesn't worry about tomorrow, does it? Does it? When you see a cow in the field, is it thinking, oh, oh I've got to do my tax return tomorrow, that's rubbish. You know, is it, is it thinking that? Or, you know, I've got to mow that part of the, the field. You know, th- does it plan in that way? It doesn't do that, does it? An animal isn't affected by what happened in our life yesterday. That's an interesting thing as well, isn't it? Because we're all affected by our background. By, you know, what happened yesterday. Oh, I was really stressed. Your know, work was really difficult yesterday. And, you know, it's affecting me today. A sheep in the field is not thinking about what it did yesterday. It's just munching the grass. Merrily getting on with its life. So I want you to notice is that we're different as humanity. And we all have this sense of, of right and wrong. Sometimes a, a sense of shame. Sometimes a sense of, of guilt. Now if we were animals who were just happened to be put here on this blue planet by chance... Why is it that we experience these things? Science can't answer those kind of questions. And yet in our world today, and commonly on our television screens, we watch science programs, and it's just, you know, a lightning bolt hit a puddle, and, oh, look, humanity. Does that It takes great faith to actually believe that. The reality is, that God has set eternity in each of our hearts. And there's something in this story that resonates with us as being true. Because we all have these feelings of, of, of right and wrong, of, of justice and injustice. We're different as humanity. But the second thing I want you to notice is this. When they had eaten from the fruit... Adam and Eve's first reaction was to hide from God. Was to hide from God. And that's what sin brings. It brings separation. It brings pain. It brings darkness where before there was light. And when we sin, our reaction is to to hide from God, isn't it? To run away from Him. Because we don't want to pay the consequences for our sin. And if we have any sense of who God is, any sense of his majesty, any sense of his glory, then running away and hiding is our only option. Because who can stand before this holy God? Because we don't want to come face to face with the holiness of God. So I want you to note here that they hide. That's the reaction. And the third thing I want you to notice here is not that Adam and Eve seek after God when they have sinned, but that God seeks after them. It's God who pursues them. That's something that's wonderful, isn't it? Sometimes in in the modern church, because the church is struggling, you know, we we have kind of, you know, seeker-sensitive services and those kind of things. You know, people who are seeking after God, that's the common kind of parlance, isn't it? You know, I'm seeking after God. And we know what people mean, don't we? But the reality is, God is not lost. He's not lost. Is he? It's us who are lost. It's us who need forgiveness. It's us who need to come before God. 
And it's important for us to note that throughout the Bible, it's about God pursuing his people. Sometimes we think, you know, God is at a distance. You know, God is just waiting. You know, come, you know, just waiting for us to come to him. Whereas God takes the initiative and comes to us. That's the amazing thing. It's God's love story to us. You see, you can never love God without acknowledging that he first loved us. That's an amazing thing. And I I want you to go away today. If you're thinking, you know, I'm not worthy before God. Well, none of us are worthy. We know that, don't we? This is what Genesis 3 is telling us. But God loved you anyway. That's the wonderful thing. He pursued you. Now, there's lots more that we could look at in this passage today, and time is moving on. We could look at Adam trying to pass the buck on to Eve as an excuse for why he ate the fruit. We can see Eve passing the buck onto the serpent, and we do that in our lives, don't we? We often try to, to pass it. Oh, it wasn't my fault, it was his fault, you know, it was their fault. We often try to do that, don't we? But the fact is that for sin, there are consequences. Because the reality is that God is a holy God. He is a God who is good and who cannot abide sin in his sight. And so consequences, we see this in Genesis 3, there are consequences that are meted out to the serpent and then to Eve and then to Adam. Consequences for their sin. And then before they're banished from the garden, the Lord makes garments of skin and clothes Adam and Eve. And I want you just to notice right there, that even though there are consequences for their sin, even though there is punishment for sin, God still loves Adam and Eve, and he shows them common grace. And God still shows common grace to his creation, doesn't he? To his people made in his image. And so Adam and Eve are banished. The reason being that it's to prevent them from eating from the tree of life. Now, that's another question. Well, why, why is that the case? Well, if they had, then humanity would have been cursed forever. Sin would never have been dealt with. And that's why the tree of life is guarded and out of bounds. Now, as we look at this passage today, we might think, you know, this is, this is pretty difficult and miserable stuff. And it is. There's no getting away from it. Genesis 3 is why the world today is in the state that it is. Why there is darkness in our world. That's why our hearts are black and and we fall into sin. But I want you to notice today this passage is not without hope. You see, we've already seen God's common grace, the grace he shows to everyone. He provides daily things for us that often we don't even think about. Food, running water here in Scotland, wonderful. Things that we we don't deserve, but we just receive. I wonder if you noticed in this passage today, just a hint, a hint at God's special grace. Did you notice that? You see, when God is speaking to the serpent, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman 
And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You see, there is a day that is coming when the snake, the serpent, will be crushed, a day when evil will be defeated, a day when light will overcome the darkness. And of course, the rest of the Bible, Genesis 3 onwards, is about looking forward to that day and to that person. And then when we reach the New Testament, what happens? Come on, you know your Bibles. Jesus is born, the promised Messiah. You see, after what happens in the garden, you might think, you know, God is done with humanity. Humanity is not worth, you know, bothering about any longer. But God relentlessly pursues us. And he sends his son. You see, the hope is that there is a day that is coming and has come when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes to save and bring hope and bring forgiveness and bring life. And it starts here in Genesis chapter 3. Because if we don't understand that as humans we all tend towards sin, there is no one here this morning that is perfect. I can look you in the eye and you can look me in the eye. And you can say, look, even this week, there have been times when you've sinned. There have been times you've thought evil of your neighbor. There's times when you've done things that you're ashamed of. We're all in that same boat. We all tend towards sin. But if we understand that we are sinners, that we need to repent, then we also understand that we need a Savior. You see, if we don't understand Genesis 3, we'll never understand why Jesus came. Because we'll think, well, you know, I don't know why Jesus came. Could give us an example, maybe? Just to be a good man? Is that why he came? Of course he didn't. He came as a savior to pay the price for our sin. You see, God made us. We broke his trust in Genesis chapter 3. And though we're made in his image, we have tainted that image. We are sinners who need God's grace. We need Jesus. You see, Adam and Eve sin. We too are tainted by original sin. We too are sinners. But we are recipients of God's common grace. And may we also be recipients of God's special grace. You see, when God calls out to you, as he called out to Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? May you answer. And may you plead the blood of Jesus. His righteousness covering our unrighteousness. You see, the cross is the only way. May we walk in it.